0: Welcome to Short Course episode 116 for November 10th, 2023. I'm your host, Ben Barry. I was watching with some interest the tactical games had their nationals this past weekend in Texas. And just trying to see, you know, what are they doing differently? How how much of a shooting league are they? How much of a, you know, weightlifting league are they? And and they still are having trouble I think shaking their their roots as, you know, mostly weightlifting with a little bit of fairly static emphasis on uh, accuracy over speed type shooting, but I was I was watching their YouTube live streams which were certainly not stellar. They they left a lot to be desired and looking at some of their competitor materials and one thing that did stick out to me is the fact that they are sponsored by Under Armour and obviously that's a that's a pretty big name sponsor that's I think probably a bigger more mainstream sponsor than anybody's seen in in USPSA for a long time and I was looking at the live stream and their their collateral and their social media and just trying to look at it from the perspective of an advertiser and it just it it just put me in this frame of mind to be thinking of the the idea of sponsorship as an element of of the ecosystem that that USPSA matches and other sports IDPA three gun PCSL the how sponsorship plays into all of that. And so I thought it might be an interesting digression for this week's episode of the podcast. And I'll say, first off, a few disclaimers. One, what I'm saying here is based on my experience, mostly having seen things from the inside of the North Carolina section match, which obviously operates slightly differently than an area match and different still from how a nationals operates. And second, that this is just kind of my current outlook, my current perspective. Part of the reason I, I want to put this out there is to start a conversation and, and have people tell me their perspective. I've not reached out. I know some folks who sponsor matches. I'm sure if I got them on the phone and said all these things to them, they'd probably have some thoughts back. So my email is at the end of every episode. Feel free to to reach out. I, I really do want to not just say, you know, this is, this is my point of view, and it will be this way unchanged for four years. No, I, I understand that I'm coming into office as area director with a certain set of beliefs and background, but I want to grow and learn and, and be educated by being exposed to people who who know more than me, who have more experience in various areas. So none of this is meant to be you know a grand pronouncement, but this is just kind of my perspective on things as a snapshot in time in November of 2023. One place I think that's also good to go at the beginning of the discussion is the idea that I don't. I don't fundamentally see the job of USPSA to as being sponsor friendly. So, for example, there are leagues that are looking at making a, a changing the sport or building a sport from the ground up that is inherently TV friendly, and I, I'm not really interested in changing USPSA as it is. I think hit factor scoring. I think having matches that play out over 20 or 24 courses of fire at a, at a really high level, you know, 30 at a at a world shoot. I think that's actually a pretty good format. Uh, I don't I wouldn't want to necessarily change that. Now, there are some tweaks that I think might have opportunities for greater sponsor interest or greater focus. I mean, you could imagine something like a, a super six shoot off, which is something that has done it at, at some overseas matches where the top six in each division, men's and women's then go the day after the match or at the end of the match they have a shoot off where the the top 6 shoot one of the stages from the match again and the top 4 advance and they go shoot a second stage and then the top 2 advance and those two shoot head to head on a on a third stage so it's sort of this knockout element where in a in a given match you can kind of even if you have one bad stage as long as you make it up over the course of the, the rest of the match, you you have a little bit more room. But with this knockout style format of a Super Six, there's more drama. It's generally meant as a spectator event. And so you could imagine a live stream of something like that would, would be a way to get more eyeballs. So there are ways to augment the existing hit factor USPSA IPSC format that I that I think might be interesting from a sponsorship perspective. But fundamentally, I don't see the job of, of USBSA to be going out of its way to be you know quote unquote sponsor friendly now again there are things like having walls that make for better youtube live streaming where we can make accommodations like that i think we we should and we we have that option but fundamentally i don't think the sport should be should be changed in a way to attract sponsors what i'm talking about today is is more about the idea of if people want to sponsor matches how can we make that worth their while. I mean, at a very basic level, there are people who, who sponsor lots of matches and do it in a way that is sustainable for them, whether that's, you know, you'll have a, a custom gun builder who can put a gift certificate on the prize table for 500 bucks off a $6,000 gun. Well, even if they, they give those away to the cows come home, they're not really, they're, they're cutting into their margin, but they're not really putting their their business at risk of actually losing money and then somewhere in the middle, you have companies that send product, which obviously costs them money to produce. They just send raw product and that goes out on the prize table to the shooters in whatever way it's distributed. And that costs the company some money, but again, it costs them their cost on the product, not necessarily whatever they would sell it for. And then all the way at the other end of the spectrum is something like a, a pure cash sponsorship where it's just a transactional relationship. The sponsor is paying for advertising and they write a check and they get banners, they get in the matchbook, they get whatever the, the 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 sponsorship package for that match is, they just they're paying for that. It is a sponsorship deal. And I think that's that is the way that we need to think about sponsorship in the sense that it needs to be something where the company is is getting a positive return on investment, that if they took that same amount of money and spent it if they, if they even can spend it on you know Google AdWords or Facebook ads, which most gun companies can't, but let's say they go and, and buy a, a print ad or a you know billboard or, or something, anywhere else that that money could go. If you look at it as advertising money, where else could it go? And I mean, even within USPSA, matches often usually accept product as, as prizes, but you look at the other places that that USPSA headquarters in particular is involved in advertising in the magazine on the website in the app i don't think those come with product i think those come with cash that those are those are just paid transactions and so to some degree this is this is an understood thing and i think hopefully the people who have been paying for ads in the in the magazine are are seeing some some return on investment in the sense that they are actually getting their name and their logo and their product in front of users that otherwise wouldn't may not know about it or wouldn't see it. And yes, you can you can do marketing through Instagram and and social media and, and all this sort of organic stuff. You can sponsor people, you can send product to YouTube influencers and get them to review it. You, you can do all that, but that's time consuming. It's somewhat messy, and and there is to some degree. A niche in the market for, hey, I'm a businessman. I'm trying to sell a product. Let me just write a check, send a get my graphic designer to, to design up an ad, send it over, get some banners printed, whatever it is, and and just sponsor, not have to have any agreements or ship product to somebody and then review their video before they post it. I mean, all, all that stuff. If companies want to go that route, that that's fine. But there is a spot in the market where matches are a place where avid gun owners go and if you can be exposed to something you didn't know about whether it's a a new bullet company a new holster company a new gun company if if it is a way for those companies to get visibility and to to have their name out there be able to advertise you know if they have some new product or or what have you that's a way to get eyeballs onto it now the downside is at a typical USPSA match, whether it's a, a level two, level three, even up to a nationals, you're going to get a few hundred people are going to actually lay eyeballs on any banner that's hung on a stage. A few more might look at the match book, but what we're really talking about, if we want sponsorship to really be worthwhile, if we wanted to actually have some some distribution, is it needs to have this force multiplier. It needs to have this effect where the the people being advertised to are not just the people on the range, but say the people that watch all the match videos from all the people on the range and the people who watch any live streams or any any video put up by the by the the match organizer so so there has to be this this multiplier effect where it's not just the people physically present who see the advertising but for it to really be effective to get the name out there you want that that level of of advertising to be multiplied through the internet and instead what we get at the state section level two sort of strata of the of the competition hierarchy is basically lots of product from what i have heard area matches can occasionally get one or two major sponsors to, to sign cash deals i think that's somewhat more common at nationals but at least for the nc section for the, the five years that i've been able to kind of see behind the scenes of it Sponsorship means means product. It means gift certificates on the prize table. It means product for the prize table. It means, it means something tangible that gets passed on to the shooters. The problem with that is that at some very sort of real level, those prizes don't materially improve the match experience, the competitive experience. Now, there are a few sponsors, I think most notably Shooters Connection that will, their their sponsorship takes the form of a discount off product. So all the targets, all the pasters, and if you want to buy any other things to put on your prize table, they'll give you a discount on that. So that actually, as a a match director, that saves you money that you can then reallocate to other places, whether that's your staff dinner, more porta-potties, travel stipends for your staff, whatever it is, that that is actually money that you can reallocate to somewhere else in your match. But for most matches – the, the prizes that come in don't necessarily improve things. They, they don't help the match in any way other than sort of theoretical brand cachet. And in a lot of cases, they add a lot of hassle and, and complexity. I mean, at your typical level two, you're just going to take all your prizes, take each one, pick a, a shooter that's registered at random and assign the prize to them. And that has a that, that is the most logistically simple way to distribute prizes. But it sucks for basically everyone involved. As a as a sponsor, typically speaking, the only person who sees the prize is the person receiving it. So there, there's not this element of walking the prize table and choosing among the options that you have, where for every person that chooses your prize, 10 more people might see your name, see that you put something on the prize table, and maybe they go on and pick some other prize, but your name, the fact that you put the prize on the prize table is at least in their brain. They are aware that you sponsored the match. So yes, you get your banners put up, you get your logo in the matchbook, but you also get this physical, tangible thing where you you might be a, a new vendor and people might not necessarily know your name, but they see. I mean, there was a there was a there's a company local to us, Zoo City Armory, and they started loading ammo and laser marking cups and all this stuff. And I remember the first year we were running the NC Section match up at Sir Walter in 2019, they'd put a bunch of stuff on the prize table, and nobody had really heard of them. And there were a lot of people asking, "What's this? Who are they? What do they do?" You know, they they'd put a gift certificate on there, and that that generated not a lot of people went out of their way to, to, to pick that if there was something else on the prize table that they were interested in. But it did a great job of making people in the North Carolina area aware of this new local company that was making, doing laser marking and making ammo and, and doing this kind of thing. You don't get that with this, with this, you just assign the prize to the person when they check in, hey, here's your prize. Or if you're, maybe you don't do it at check-in, you just have somebody driving around on a golf cart distributing the prizes. But it's bad for the sponsors in the sense that you pay your sponsorship in product and only the person receiving it necessarily sees it as a shooter it's basically a random draw if the thing you get is something you even need and so you get a lot of people horse trading or just giving it away in the parking lot so of the the three parties in the sort of transaction the sponsor the match director and the shooter it's basically that's the easiest thing for the match director it reduces their workload the most but it delivers relatively little value to either the sponsor or the competitor now, the approach that North Carolina section has taken for the past five years is much more labor-intensive for the for the match director, but it's to actually divvy up the prizes into roughly equal groups, and then for each schedule of shooters, when you check in, you walk the prize table. Now, obviously, there's always going to be some more valuable prizes than others, but you basically get to look at the prizes on the prize table, and there very well might be something that is a lower objective dollar value that is just more useful to you. And this also resolves problems with things like a lot of times you'll get product that is, that's donated, that it's for a specific gun, or it's a, something specific to rifles or PCCs or left-handed or something that, that is really for the person who can use it high value, but for the average person, not valuable at, at all. The main drawback to this approach is that it does make it very hard to distribute high value prizes. So for example, for the past few years, Ruger has been a sponsor of the North Carolina section and their sponsorship is a certificate for each of three guns. and they're all 400-ish dollar value guns. And if you put that on the on the prize table, then just the first person who walks up is going to see this is obviously worth twice as much as any other option even if I flip it on the local forum, I'm still going to walk away with more cash in my pocket than anything else I can do here. So I'm just going to take this gift certificate. And so the approach that that we've taken for that is we actually set that up as a raffle. So when you check in, you get a ticket and you can put it in a bucket for one of the three guns. And on top of whatever you get from the prize table, you can, you can put a, a raffle ticket in for one of these three guns. And again, it gives you an option because typically I think it's, there's a a 9mm PCC, there's a 9mm full-size handgun, and then there's a 9mm carry type gun. And so people can kind of choose which one of those they are at least vaguely interested in. And so that helps to kind of ameliorate that issue. This year was, was actually somewhat interesting in that pretty late in the game, we got word that Holosun was sponsoring the match and what they were going to be doing was sending a bunch of 300, $350 optics, four four different of those. So it became the same question. How How do you distribute that in a way that isn't just random draw to, you know, someone who may or may not have a use for that optic? Or, you know, do we add, now there are seven options you can spend your raffle tickets on? Do we give people two raffle tickets? Now that there's seven options, are people going to back up and stand there all day trying to pick which one? There's an element where you know when it's one of three guns, you can pretty quickly decide which one is interesting, but you start giving people too many options and things, things start to back up. And so those actually ended up going in something that was newly tried this year, which is this idea of a virtual prize table, which is that since we didn't... Because everybody shoots on different schedules, there's no one awards dinner where people can walk the prize table in order of finish. But that and a few other high value, I think, two hundred dollar and up gift certificates were awarded in order of finish across the divisions, and so that gave the the people who, you know, starting with the biggest division, I think, you know, obviously, carry optics went first, and then on down through the other divisions, and it was first overall got first pick of all the divisions and then state champion. For the record, I did not take a prize. I passed it on to whoever was after me. I just passed because I I wanted more people to kind of have a, have a bite at this virtual prize table and just kind of see how it worked. And it, it was okay. I mean, I think a lot of the optics ended up going, ended up getting flipped for cash, which is kind of inevitable. I mean, what else the ideal situation would be that you could find someone at the match who genuinely is going to take this prize and not flip it for cash and put it on a gun and get you know shoot it 10 times a year and get a ton of value out of it and a ton of enjoyment but practically speaking there's just we have no way to determine that people people will just take whatever they think is the most valuable prize if there's something that's a a significant margin more than than something that is on the prize table that they might actually use all of this whole digression i know much of which regular listeners have heard before all this digression to basically say, even to a match, getting a bunch of product is not it doesn't necessarily make the match better. Yes, do do people feel like they get more for their match fee if there is a a good prize table at the match? Sure. But at the end of the day, I don't think what gets people to drive hours and and come to a state or an area or nationals match is is the prize table. And yeah, i can i can hear the, the, the comments being written now oh ben barry thinks prize tables you know should go away that's not my goal my goal is figuring out how sponsorship in uspsa can serve the goals of the sponsor of the match director and of the shooter where it can actually be a virtuous cycle where everybody benefits and i from my limited experience from what i've seen from the conversations i've had i'm not sure that the current setup which is very product heavy really does that you know it, it results in match directors having to if nothing else just physically receiving all these all these prizes organizing them divvy, divvying them up storing them if you do end up having to mail prizes out or, or something like that then then that's its own hassle and it's it, it just at the end of the day it's this complete other kind of sideshow from the actual shooting competition it, it doesn't really play into it in any meaningful way now there's a there's a whole other element which is vendors and on-site sponsors which I don't think is I don't think we really have time to, to talk about today but I just I think it is an interesting question to think about and and objectively look at the way sponsorship really works in the current system what it does how how prizes are handed out at particularly at matches that don't have an awards dinner where people are shooting on different schedules and you don't necessarily have people hanging out until the end and going to an awards dinner where everybody gets to walk a single prize table in order to finish, which, you know, does, does impinge just to talk a little bit about the on-site vendor issue. I mean, there there are issues there, right? Where if people are trying to drive in, shoot the match and drive home that same night, which is possible with some of these half day schedules, I know North Carolina, South Carolina, that that is something that, that some people do, or they'll, they'll drive in late Friday night, shoot Saturday morning, and then drive home Saturday PM, something like that. That is very convenient, but if you're an on-site vendor, it doesn't really encourage people to to hang out, whereas for better or worse, a, a traditional half-day schedule where you're on the range shooting for two or three or four days or whatever it is, and you're on the range, you shoot in the morning, but then you take your gear off, you're already at the range, so you can walk around, you can spend some time in, with the vendors, where a lot of these more compressed schedules, especially level two matches, they, they're I don't see it. If I were in the shoes of a vendor, I would see a lot of people kind of zipping by my booth. And, you know, this is why, for example, some matches like the South Carolina section have gone out of their way to incorporate vendors more directly. There are matches where the vendor area will be, say, a spot on the schedule or you'll have some some program like South Carolina did last year where you have a card and if you go around to enough vendor booths and get punches then you're entered into a drawing and and you, you sort of have to you have to create this other layer on top of the vendor area to to convince people to go there because the structure of the match doesn't inherently send them there and in fact the structure inherently kind of sends them away it encourages them to go walk stages when they can or shoot as quickly as they can and then get on the road and drive home so there, there's that whole other other you know fourth topic which is on-site vendors but when we just consider the the existing setup, the existing system of product that gets sent to a match director at most matches, it gets handed to the person who receives it, maybe the person who buys it from them is aware of it, but the, the, it's in terms of actually delivering advertising value to the, to the sponsor, it leaves a lot to be desired. Certainly, I think being in the matchbook, having a banner on stages at least gets the name out there a little bit more. And I just... I think that we need to look at how that can be done better because I think the the level of sponsorship that we see right now is a side effect of the ecosystem of the basically what sponsors get. And so until we can find a way that sponsors, like I said at the top of the show, without materially modifying the sport, without having to change the, the fundamental essence of the sport as it is, which I think is actually quite good. I think, like I said, I think the the, the current – System of hit factor scoring and stages, with with some improvements or with some better handling, could make for more interesting spectator viewing and therefore bring eyeballs outside the people that are physically on the range. And yes, a a simple live stream I think is a good first step in that direction. I mean, I I know there's been a lot of discussion about what did or didn't change about the the 5G towers at Talladega. It is what. I don't know if we need Starlink. I don't know what it what it takes to get some kind of either And it doesn't even necessarily have to be live stream, but some kind of delayed coverage that that is relatively contemporaneous with the, the ongoing championship, having some kind of coverage of the shooters. And, you know, yes, I think people will people will want to primarily tune in to see to see the super squad, to see the best guys. There is that element of, hey, look, mom, I'm on TV. You know, if you if you happen to, to catch yourself on the, the USPSA live stream the way that they used to do it, where they would just have a couple of cameras set up on random stages, typically there would be, there'd be one fixed camera that would follow the super squad around, and then there would be one or two other cameras on other bays, and they would just cut between these static cameras. The downside to that being, if there happened to be nobody shooting on any of the three stages, then you would just end up watching an empty bay, or you'd end up watching people pasting. And... I will say that I think that was a good start, uh, but they don't even do that anymore. Again, I don't have any any insider information about what happened. We just we don't see those even of uh, what little there used to be. But when during the 2021 Carry Optics and PCC match, which was at, at Talladega back, I guess, before the 5G towers changed or for whatever reason they stopped doing these live streams, I got to thinking of what could be done with just what was already available and so I went and did my own kind of rebroadcast of their stream adding a little live scoreboard adding using the the YouTube ability to kind of jump back to, to do instant replay and then when you're running a little bit behind live then you can skip over the dead time and I think the 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 I'll link to the video like I said uh you know it ended up being something like an hour but if you skipped a 30, 45 minutes into it, you'll kind of see once I've kind of hit my stride and I'm jumping around, It just with literally an hour and zero money and just free software and the YouTube live stream that was already being run by USPSA, I think we got to a something that was an example of what could be a better product than than what was being done. And obviously, if you can further enhance that where you have maybe a few cameras or you know more time delay, you have the ability to do some more slow-mo or do, do some analysis, do two shooters overlaid and and that kind of analysis you could actually do a, a pretty interesting and informative live stream where people can actually see the best shooters in the country duking it out and i think that would that would actually bring in a lot of eyeballs which then sponsors would be interested in advertising to so all of a sudden it's not just the the, the banner on the stage is seen by the 3 or 400 people that that go through that stage but now the the Nationals live stream is on that stage for twenty or thirty minutes, which is you know how long that squad is going to be on that stage, and so you see that banner quite a bit more. And so then there's that element of well now that that sponsor is getting a lot more coverage. And if a thousand people watch that stream, if five thousand people watch that stream, who knows? There's all of a sudden you're you're able to to use the power of technology to multiply the people actually becoming aware of the sponsorship. I don't know what would go into making this happen. I know that two years ago, we had these fixed camera live streams from Talladega that seemed like at least a step in the right direction. It seemed like there was potential further improvements that could be made on that. We've gone backwards in the last few years. I Again, I don't know why that is, but I, I think there is an opportunity here, not just from the 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 sort of structural side of, you know, how do we make a sponsorship arrangement that is, like I said, beneficial to all three parties, the match director, the sponsor, and the shooter, but we can actually provide value to the sponsors by giving them exposure to more than just the people who are physically on the range. And I think ultimately, just to sort of bring this full circle to the tactical games, I think that's that's probably what Under Armour was looking for when they sponsored it. They know that this is something that people are looking at. This is a This is something that even if people don't participate, because there aren't Local tactical games matches they have. I think though that their headquarters runs there aren't matches that I'm aware of. There might there might be out there. I'm not an expert on the sport, but I know they run like 10 regional matches around the country and some some smaller like skirmishes or something like that. And uh, it's not something that people participate in as a sort of ongoing local thing the way that USPSA is. But that also has this element of you have more eyeballs where it's something where people might be training at home thinking that one day they'll they'll come to one of these regional matches and drive five hours to to go spend a weekend shooting one of these and so those those eyeballs are actually to some degree as an advertiser more valuable and so i I think it's it's just an interesting thing to look at in terms of you know are we are we trying to advertise to the to the participants or to the people who are watching at home well you can't have anybody watching at home if you don't even have a live stream if you don't have a a daily wrap-up right i mean you could imagine i know the last few years there have been these these on-site highly polished social media videos that in some cases are being uploaded within hours of of filming but typically they're they're really chopped together you don't see a single person's stage run but i mean you could imagine an end of day recap that might be 10 minutes long and you just have somebody who really understands hit factor scoring and can can kind of track the points and how the the battles within the super squad are playing out heck maybe get one of the super squad guys just kind of fill you in and be like hey what happened today like where did the where did the standings start where were the big shakeups during the day and you could get a any of these guys that that are really detail-oriented I mean you know a Mason Lane or, or one of these guys who you know tracks points and understands kind of where the relative standings are and get one of those guys to kind of brain dump it for you and then do a do a some kind of daily end of day recap and show people hey this was day two at the such and such nationals and the day started out like this and then these four big events happened and here's where we're at at the end of the day going into tomorrow and you could do that for each of the the major super squads in you know the divisions men's and women's and 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 that could be a 10, 15 minute video. Would it be a ton of work to edit together at the end of the day? Sure. But again, if you can put that together and then, because, you know, live streaming is cool, but not everybody is going to sit around and and watch six hours, eight hours a day of, of live streaming. People have stuff to do. And so having live stream as one way to one Avenue to consume the content for the people who can just have it on, or, or maybe they, you know, skip around and, and watch the parts that are interesting to them that's one thing, but yeah, if you can also, you know, do some kind of end of day wrap up, have some highlights. And then again, if, if those end of day highlights, even people outside the sport, you know, share the video, people might start getting into it and they'll see some of the, the really top level guys, some of the, the, the great performances going on and some of the really good shooting. Maybe it'll get them interested in USPSA say, Oh wow. Okay. I see, I see what this looks like at the highest level, but then you also can, figure out how to work advertisers into that in a way that, I mean, to be honest, is, is less boring than the way that they were doing it on, on these old live streams two years ago, where in between times when there was no action going on, they would just cut to what was basically like a 30 second TV commercial. And again, on YouTube, you can just skip through those. If you're not watching live, if you are watching live, you can just pause and change the tab away to something else. And so I don't, and I think, and they had like three of them and they just, it was just the same three over and over again. So as soon as one would start to play, you'd kind of tune out. Whereas again, even if it's something just having, having more interesting interactive content than a a 30 second TV spot integrated into these, whether it's the live stream, you know, the paint, the banners on the stage or what, what have you, or in the, in the the actual recap videos, you know, welcome to the the day two national such and such recap brought to you by so and so. I mean, just real basic stuff like that, and you have the logo in the corner of the screen or something like that. There, there are options there, and I just don't see that happening. And so I think until structurally we see something that actually provides value, provides more value to a sponsor than dollars spent on you know anything else that they could do, whether that's YouTube influencer marketing or putting up banners at gun shows. I, you know, I don't know what these guys are doing, but until we can provide something that's more compelling, I think we're going to keep seeing the sort of level of sponsorship and the, the structure of sponsorship that we've been getting. And as I would like to think I've sort of laid out today, I, I don't know that it really serves anyone particularly well. And I think there is actually an opportunity within the sport to have something that benefits shooters, that benefits the sponsors and isn't a huge pain in the butt for match directors. And so I think having discussions about that and having different matches, try different models, share what works, learn lessons from each other. I think that's the, that's the key. And we need more of that. And, um, hopefully we'll have it in the future. Well, that wraps up this episode of short course. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is bennettberryshooting.com Talk to you next time.